that was rising because, of course, when you buy bonds, you're boosting the stock market, and that's mm. been going on ever since the Fed started to do that. I think it does threaten Jay Powell, and here was the, the Massachusetts senator, uh, Mrs. Warren, coming out against Powell. Now, you could reverse that and say, well, that helps Powell because Janet Yellen thinks he should be reappointed, but I think he's threatened. Okay. Well, thank you all for your thoughts. Sadly, we've run out of time. I wish we could talk longer. You heard there Barry Wood, our international economics correspondent over in Washington, D.C. Kenny Wen, wealth management strategist at Everbright Sun Hung Kai. And David Roche, president and global strategist at Independent Strategy. You're listening to Money Talk on RTHK Radio 3. Let's take a final look at the markets in what is going to be a very busy morning. Uh, in Australia, the SX200 is off 1.4%. The Nikkei 225 in Japan is also sliding down about 1.1%. Uh, the Cosby in South Korea is down as well, one and a quarter percent. Futures markets indicating a decline of about 0.7% for the Hang Seng at the open. Uh, Brent crude oil is on the slide, $78.69 a barrel. Gold is up slightly at 1000 uh, $735 an ounce. And that's it for me. Do please join me again tomorrow morning at 8 o'clock. Stay tuned for Back Chats with Jim Gould and Anna Fenton. The, very, uh, the weather forecast for today, mainly fine, very hot during the day. Maximum temperature of about 33 degrees. A very hot weather warning is in force this morning. And it's going to be very hot with isolated showers tomorrow as well. Sunny periods during the National Day holiday and weekend and also isolated showers. It's 29 degrees right now, 77% relative humidity. 8.31 and a half, here's Barry O'Rourke with the half hour news. National Security Police have charged seven people each with conspiring to incite others to subvert state power, with one of those charged suspects as young as 16 years old. Aaron Tam reports. Reports say the suspects aged 16 to 25 belong to the pro-independence group known as Returning Valiant. They were charged with conspiracy to incite the commission by other persons of the offense of subversion under Articles 22 and 23 of the National Security Law. The seven include a 16-year-old woman arrested yesterday afternoon, a detained 18-year-old woman, along with four men and one woman who have had their bail arrangements revoked. They will appear at West Kowloon Magistrates Court this afternoon for mention. Health authorities say no new cases were found after 710 residents were tested for COVID-19 overnight in North Point. The lockdown at Two Island Place was imposed after a resident tested preliminary positive. The 22-year-old man had flown in from Serbia in mid-September and had been vaccinated with Covid Shield in India in July after being infected with the virus there. He's classified as a re-positive overseas case. Yesterday, authorities confirmed 13 new imported cases, while Qatar Airways was banned from operating passenger flights from Doha for two weeks after four arrivals on a Sunday flight were confirmed with the virus. An urban studies professor has urged authorities to release more data about a massive redevelopment plan for Mong Kok and Yaomate, which covers 212 hectares. Ong Mi Kam from the Chinese University was commenting after lawmakers called on the government to speed up the regeneration plan of the busy and iconic area, saying it'll take years to come to fruition. Ms Ong said more data was needed to judge whether the plan was worthwhile. From the data that I have, I don't think, you know, we really are ready in a sense because the plan focuses on the buildings and argue that uh, buildings are old and so need to be, you know, redeveloped. 
but the authority has not really released uh, data on uh, who are living there, who will be affected, and uh, actually what the carrying capacity of the two districts. And all these data are not there, and therefore I think uh, from a planning perspective, they do need to either release more data or do more research to actually consider how best uh, to transform or to regenerate the two areas. And North Korean media, state media, has announced that yesterday's missile launch was a successful test of a hypersonic gliding missile. The official Korean Central News Agency said the test was of great strategic significance as the North starts to increase its defence capabilities a thousandfold. There'll be more news on the hour from RTHK. Good morning and welcome to Back Chat. I'm Jim Gould and your co-host today is Anna Fenton. Good morning, Anna. Good morning, everybody. On today's programme, for our main subject, we're talking about uh, prospects for reopening the border amid the ongoing COVID-19 pandemic. Chief Secretary John Lee said that Hong Kong must strengthen coronavirus controls in areas such as testing and quarantine before the border with mainland China can reopen. He was speaking after a meeting with mainland officials in Shenzhen over the weekend. Mr Lee said that priority areas would be screening requirements for inbound travellers, the quarantine system and the territory's overall approach to risk. He said improvements would allow for further talks, but there was no word on a timetable for opening the border. Meanwhile, most current social distancing rules will remain in place, including a four-person public gathering limit, although restrictions on banquets will be eased further. And in Macau, authorities have conducted citywide testing after two security guards working in a quarantine hotel were confirmed with the virus. After 9.15 this morning, we're joined uh, by the WWF to discuss uh, threats to biodiversity in South Lantau. As always, uh, let us know what you think. Leave a message on our Facebook page, Backchat on RTHK Radio 3. Email us at backchat at rthk.hk or you can call us on 233-88266. And joining us uh, on the line now for our main topic, we have Yang Lin, who's an Associate Professor at the School of Nursing at the Polytechnic University, and also John App, a Visiting Professor and Director of the Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies. Um, Yang Lin, perhaps if we can start with you. Good morning. Good morning, Jimena. Thank you for having me in this program. Yeah, thanks for joining us. Uh, so Hong Kong already has uh, uh, very strict uh, quarantine arrangements and uh, full testing programs. I mean, in your view, how could they be improved? Well, uh, I think there a lot of things we can do now, but uh, the priority should be given to vaccination, especially mm -hmm. for those uh, the elderly and uh, the people with chronic diseases. Because uh, for now, we only have 70% of vaccine coverage, which is far below, you know, some kind of threshold for herd immunity, like 80%. Uh, but given now we're having this uh, Delta variant, so this threshold could be even higher. So it's, I, I think vaccination still remains the priority besides the social distancing and uh, travel restriction uh, approaches. Yes, uh, our quarantine and testing system, um, how effective do you think uh, they've been so far? 
Well, so far, I think Hong Kong has been very successful in maintaining the border control, and uh, uh, we're able to capture most of the, you know, the important cases. So uh, we have been, you know, uh, had just zero COVID local cases for like 40, 40 days. So I would say that for now, we see the quarantine and uh, uh, border control project is, uh, work, work well in Hong Kong. But there's still, you know, high risk, some, you know, like what we see in Macau, uh, especially for for the staff working in the quarantine hospital, I, I mean, uh, hotels. Uh, I think there, there should be more uh, regular testing and uh, probably more stringent training on the infection control uh, is needed to, to enhance their, you know, vigilance. Yes, because, uh, in fact, yesterday there were 13 new imported coronavirus cases, which are obviously all detected. And, and as you say, we haven't had any local cases for a long time, which does suggest that uh, you know, our current arrangements uh, are proving very effective. Well, uh, yeah, I would say uh, for now we're, we're being lucky. Mm-hmm. <laughs> but, yeah, so, yeah, but who knows? Going back to your point about vaccination, um, what do you see is the uh, the problem for older people getting vaccinated? Why are they hesitant? Well, I think uh, at the beginning of this uh, uh, vaccine campaign, a lot of news uh, reported the sad effect that people actually died after uh, vaccination. That constitutes a lot of, you know, um, some some sometimes could be misleading information and. Uh, enhance the vaccine hesitancy in those elderly, uh, you know, the older people. So um, for now, I think um, we, we, we really need to do something to encourage uh, the, the vaccination in those people and giving them uh, the correct information, uh, you know, and also, uh, you know, provide more support like financial support or the convenience in terms of, uh, uh, you know, vaccination. Like you probably ha- could have some uh, home vaccination uh, at, like uh, Singapore has been doing. So that's kind of approach that the government may think of. So has anybody made any direct approaches to the government to suggest this? Uh, well, I think uh, a lot of experts have been working very closely to the government on that issue. And how many of your nursing colleagues now are vaccinated? What percentage? Uh, you mean in our school? Yeah, nurses generally. How many are, are vaccinated? Nurse, I don't have a, you know the accurate numbers, but I believe it's more than 80%. So very high numbers now. Yeah, yeah. Because uh, and also our university requires uh, everyone get vaccinated unless you have uh, a medical reason to put you, uh, you know, you know, not suitable for the vaccination. Mm. Okay. Well, uh, also we have with us uh, John App uh, on the line from Macau. Good morning to you. Morning. So uh, you've had this uh, t- uh, citywide testing program over there um, in the past few days. Uh, how did that go? It has gone very well. Um, as of last night, late last night, 689,000 people had been tested. 
and in terms of the results, 673,000 have all been indicated as negative. So uh, obviously they're uh, waiting to get the results of the uh, the last batch of um, you know, tests. Yeah, so things have been going fairly well. Yep. That, that's the, uh, that's the whole population then, or or more that were tested. Cause, Correct. Because yeah. it's about six hundred sixty thousand, the population of Macau, right? Uh, it's about six eighty thousand. Six eighty. Okay. Okay. Um, uh, how easy is it uh, for the authorities to uh, do an exercise like that? Well, this was our second mass testing, and it was uh, very smooth and very effective. Uh, I was in and out uh, within five minutes for my uh, test, and this time they arranged to have uh, 52 testing stations. Uh, they ran for 24 hours uh, for three days, uh, from Saturday 3 p.m. to yesterday 3 p.m. So very smooth this time. First time it wasn't as smooth, but um, it's nice to know that the government has uh, learned from the mistakes of the first mass testing. So by and large, the Marco people have been quite pleased with the uh, the way in which the mass testing was conducted. So what's the level in Macau now for vaccination among the population? It's uh, just around 50% in terms of vaccination, and this is one of the concerns of the health authorities and I think one of the reasons why the border has not opened with uh, Hong Kong in particular. Now, as you may be aware, since uh, August last year, uh, mainlanders have been able to come to, to Macau uh, without having to, to serve any quarantine when they arrive or when they leave uh, Macau. So that's been fairly good, except unfortunately, you know, from a tourism perspective, the, the current outbreak is uh, really putting on a damper for the uh, hotel and the, the gaming industry. And you think that the vaccination rate is, is so low because? What's the general uh, feeling the reasons, there? Uh, I think uh, Macau has been a, a victim of its own success. Um, in fact, uh, to date, we've only had 71 cases. Uh, the majority of them have been imported and zero deaths. So things have been going fairly normally you know, for us, except that we undertake uh, health precautions and measures. And um, I think that this is part of the reluctance. Well, why do I need to uh, arrange to you know, get vaccinated you know, when things are fairly good here? Yeah, it's, it's somewhat ironic, isn't it? Uh, I mean, obviously, Macau's done really well in controlling the virus. Um, I mean, is there an understanding among the population that, you know, the, 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 the SAR is not going to open up properly, the economy won't get going again properly until such time as there is free movement, and that's not going to happen until the vaccination coverage is much greater than it is? Yeah, that's correct. Uh, and this is something that the health authorities and the uh, chief executive uh, has been, have, have been announcing to say, hey, guys, you need to um, get, your vac get our vaccination rates up if you want to travel to, to Hong Kong. So uh, I've not been able to re visit or return to Hong Kong um, and since last uh, February um, in two 2020. Mm -hmm. So there are a lot, number of us are itching to, to 
visit Hong Kong, but we're unable to at this point in time. Well, you could if you're willing to do the quarantine. Oh, yes, that's if you're willing to do the quarantine, yes. But uh, is it worth it? Yeah. Uh, I mean, in Hong Kong, um, we've had a problem getting the elderly population vaccinated. Um, is it the same situation in Macau? Yes, or, the, the same situation in Macau. What, what sort of uh, incentives or encouragement uh, are provided by the authorities? Well, un unlike uh, Hong Kong, you know, with you know, uh, you know, the, the, the lucky call for the apartments and, and things like this, uh, the Macau government has indicated that uh, they're not going to be providing any incentives for people to be vaccinated. Um, granted, you need to understand that you know, uh, various um, economic measures have been provided, particularly for the um, ID card holders of uh, Macau in terms of their annual cash handout. They've got the e-consumption card similar to what Hong Kong has. Um, so, so therefore, the, you know, the, the, the locals are, have been fairly well looked after. And so uh, I don't think there's any need, you know, the government does not see any need for any you know, further incentives to get, for people to get vaccinated. Uh, one of our casino gaming um, concessions, uh, Melco, for example, um, have been running uh, a lucky draw of uh, a $1 million uh, prize, you know, for its employees to uh, get vaccinated and then they enter into a draw. So apparently they've had at least two and they're having another one coming up as a means to uh, provide incentive. But, you know, that, that's coming from a private organisation, not from government. Mm -hmm. OK. Um, um, email here from a listener... Paul writes, uh, improved coronavirus controls, question mark. Great, let's do an extra three weeks of quarantine. Let's all wear six extra masks. Let, let's close down all outdoor spaces. Let's vaccinate more people and keep vaccinating them with booster shots when the vaccines do not vaccinate properly. Let's further destroy people's businesses. Let's do all the things we've done in the past and get the same results. It's plain to see we now are living in the more cowbell sketch from Saturday Night Live. When will this all stop? That's from Paul. Um, um, uh, Yang Lin, um, yeah. so we still have... Uh, a limit on four people gathering in public spaces, even though um, like indoor events, uh, banqueting can take place with large numbers of people. Um, um, is, that, is that a sensible precaution? I mean, it's, it's difficult to actually transmit COVID-19 uh, outside in the open air, isn't it? Well, uh, I think that it's, it's more, I think uh, the study has shown uh, that the virus transmission is more likely to occur indoors compared to mm. outdoors it's because we have wings, we have uh, the, you know, the, the, the aerosols can be diluted uh, because of wind, right? So uh, I think uh, the risk of uh, outdoor activities is apparently lower than the indoor. Uh, but we don't have four people in an MTR carriage, do we? <laughs> yes, that's true. So you see, it's hard to... Uh, you know, it, it's hard to, to uh, reduce every risk of uh, transmission, uh, but uh, I, I believe the current approach is uh, 
it's made based on, uh, you know, consideration of uh, economy and, uh, the, you know, disturbance to the daily life. Yeah. I also want to have a normal life back, but uh, it's, it's, it's a hard decision to make as well. Okay, um, Henry writes on our Facebook, everybody knows that mainland coronavirus control is very tight and uh, is a very uh, effective uh, combat, combating mechanism. Needless to say, the mainland does not want Hong Kong, which has less tight control than the mainland, to cause uh, infection in the mainland. Thus, it is common sense that Hong Kong must do a better job first, full stop. Carrie Lam had uh, said about this previously in a Q&A with reporters. Think, if you are a health official in the central government in Beijing, do you want to face extensive lockdowns and livelihood production disturbed by Hong Kong tourists owing to Hong Kong having less stringent measures? We can't expect Beijing to match Hong Kong. Rather, Hong Kong needs to match Beijing in this important health screening area. Macau thoroughness tells you they know the huge risk if infection is not quickly clamped down on, affecting both Macau and nearby areas. Um, John Up, you were saying before that, uh, that the population there is pr uh, pretty supportive of the government's uh, uh, testing and, and anti-coronavirus measures. Um, uh, tell us a bit more about that, about the public attitudes. Okay. Um, the, since the beginning of the virus, um, the government has been uh, very decisive and very quick in, in making decisions concerning the, the management and the, the introduction of measures to um, have the virus uh, controlled. So, for example, um, when it was announced that, oh, we've got our first case, uh, immediately the government took... Uh, control of the supply and the price of uh, face masks. Uh, we were paying uh, eight patakas for uh, ten uh, masks. Um, we had a health code which was introduced. Uh, initially it was uh, one for Macau, then eventually this was linked with the Hong Kong, with the, the Guangdong uh, code. So therefore, this enabled and facilitated an ease of travelling uh, for uh, residents of Macau to go into China and vice versa, as long as uh, the, the people uh, coming in uh, were not coming in from uh, any uh, coronavirus hotspot. Um, with the, the, the recent mass testing exercise, right, it was a situation whereby we had uh, identified uh, two security guards who uh, were infected and uh, the government quickly established that these security guards in fact had not worn their face masks and correctly when they were uh, testing the hotel quarantine uh, people mm -hmm. and uh, that was what on a yes, Friday night Friday, and, so then, yes, yeah. and then on Saturday at uh, 3 p.m. they instituted the mass testing. Mm. So the government has been very quick and very effective and there's a lot of confidence uh, in the, the way in which the Macau government in particular has been handling this. So yeah, people are quite happy and we've hardly had any restrictions. I mean, you talked earlier on about the fact that all you know, strict social distancing requirements in terms of hotels 
uh, restaurants, banquets and things like that. We haven't had any of that. At the moment, right, um, the, the, the government has introduced what we call uh, emergency preventive measures. So public venues and the like have been uh, closed. Uh, sec- primary and uh, secondary schools uh, were closed and then the, the kids will return to school on October the 3rd here at the Institute and in the um, universities, etc. We've uh, been told that we can go to online classes uh, until further notice. So, so, so John, what's happening in the casinos? Are people clustered around the roulette wheel or, or how's that playing no, out? No, I mean, <laughs> sadly, um, as soon as it was announced, for example, in neighbouring Zhuhai that um, they were going to introduce a 14-day quarantine for anyone uh, uh, coming from Macau as of 6 a.m. on Sunday morning, there was a huge exodus of uh, uh, visitors and hotel guests from, from the casino. So it's very sad now when you go there. Um, there's hardly anyone around. Um, typically what I do after my uh, uh, meal in the evening, I, I'll walk to the casino. It's only a 10, 15 minute walk for me and I, I do my exercise there because I can uh, do my exercising and, and walking in air-conditioned comfort. And it's just so sad that the place is literally deserted and I had one friend who just got out of quarantine on Sunday and she's staying in um, the Sheraton over in um, the, the, the Londoner and she said that the place is completely uh, deserted unfortunately. So the gaming and the hotel industry are really taking a big hit unfortunately just prior to the uh, National Day Golden so the situation right now is effectively inbound tourists and gamblers from China aren't coming at the moment. Correct, yes. Uh, and Correct. if they do, they face two weeks quarantine when they go back? Yes. yes. Well, what's happening is that it's just been announced this morning that the quarantine will be lifted from um, midnight on Thursday. So therefore, I think that uh, based upon the success of this mass testing and uh, without any community cases being identified, then uh, I think the authorities feel that it is uh, safer for uh, Mark, people from Macau to venture into China. Mind you that um, earlier on it was mentioned that there were two security guards who uh, were tested for um, yeah, with the virus, but in fact uh, there have been seven. So currently we have a total of 71 cases. So do we know where those security guards got uh, oh, yes. access uh, to the virus. Two, two hotels, the, the Golden Crown Hotel and the, the Treasure Hotel. And there were cases so, there that they were in contact with? Yes, correct, right. yes. So what happened is that um, um, they introduced uh, some red and yellow zones and, um, uh, and there was an immediate lockdown of uh, some of the buildings where the security guards lived and, um, to, to ensure that um, the there is no community uh, spread of the virus and uh, people in those areas were immediately tested. They were not permitted to leave their homes unless they obtained a, a negative reading. So uh, over the, the last couple of days, uh, the, the health authorities have been there uh, testing uh, people affected in the yellow code areas uh, on a daily basis.
So, so, the, so the government the... has been very effective. Okay, you say they're very effective, but do they, like Singapore, have a roadmap out of this situation? Or is it just week by week, day by day, knee-jerk reaction, uh, as you describe? Um, well, in Singapore, for example, they adopt the uh, policy of, right, we need to learn to live with um, the, the virus. Okay. On the other hand, yeah. Macau, like the mainland, have adopted a policy of, of zero cases. And as long as zero case policy exists, um, we're going to have these situations where, oh, you know, there's an outbreak, then we'll do a mass testing, etc. And uh, I don't think that this is very sustainable in the long term. Although, although Singapore has a little bit gone back on that, hasn't it? It's, it's, uh, it's yes, correct. Yeah, yeah, they've literally gone into uh, uh, almost a citywide uh, lockdown. Yeah, that requiring people to, to work from home, uh, etc. Yeah, yeah, which which has uh, caused uh, some consternation among uh, the population. Certainly, uh, my friends who live there about uh, a, a lack of a consistent policy. Yeah. Um, yes, okay. this is the challenge. Yeah, that's uh, yeah, which uh, which every 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 uh, government faces. Um, okay, well, uh, stay with us, please. Uh, we've got to take a break uh, in a moment uh, for the nine o'clock uh, news summary. Um, I have some more emails here, which I'll read out after nine o'clock. Um, uh, do get in touch with us. Uh, Backchat uh, at rthk.hk is our email address. You can leave a message on our Facebook page at Backchat on RTHK Radio Three. Or you can give us a call on 233-88-266 and a quick look at the weather. Um, mainly fine, very hot during the day. Top temperature will be about 33 degrees and that's only in the urban areas, higher in the new territories. The outlook, very hot with isolated showers tomorrow. Um, currently it's 29 degrees, 77% humidity, very hot weather warning in effect. Case. You're listening to the news on RTHK. And welcome back to Backchat with Anna Fenton and me, Jim Gould. And this morning we're talking about uh, COVID-19 controls and the prospects for a possible uh, reopening of uh, the border uh, with the mainland. A um, couple of more emails before we resume conversation with our guests. This from Philip says... The present uh, zero COVID policy is killing Hong Kong. Not only the border with China is affected, uh, the rest of the world cannot travel to Hong Kong as the three-week quarantine is stifling Hong Kong and is prohibitive. Hong Kong residents need a roadmap so they can plan ahead. Presently, it, it is impossible to uh, plan as the government constantly makes knee-jerk reactions when we have an outbreak. The government needs to mandate vaccination and let's get back to normal. Um, David writes, uh, <clears throat> the tourism industry is uh, bleating on about how poor they are, yet uh, we have uh, quarantine hotels. Because they're full, the price is very high, so why can't the government produce more quarantine hotels? And with the borders closed at the moment, let's have uh, two weeks for the Hong Kong people not wearing any masks. I'm fed up with allergies on my face caused by vaccines and uh, face masks. Okay. Um, with us, we have... Um, yeah. Okay. Can we just, just pause that one, just for a second? That um, comment about vaccines causing allergies on your face, I, I think I'd like to get medical 
uh, back up I, before we I, I think have David, an assertion I, I, on that. I think David meant the mask when oh, right, the face okay. masks was... Uh, I don't think too many people have people got allergies do, on their face uh, because people, of vaccinations. Uh, people complain about getting spots and things. But, yeah, that's, you know, that's a problem, isn't it? Uh, and especially in the uh, hot weather. Yeah, yeah. Uh, we have with us uh, Yang Lin, who's Associate Professor at the School of Nursing at the Polytechnic University. John App, Visiting Professor and Director of the Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies. And we're also now joined on the line by Howie Wong, Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and related trades. Um, um, Howie Wong, uh, thanks for joining us. Um, so uh, we were saying before the break that cu current social distancing measures largely remain in place, although there is going to be a relaxation on uh, the restrictions on the size of banquets uh, from 180 people at present to 240. Uh, that's from tomorrow. Um, so you must be fairly pleased about that. Um, yes, good morning. Uh, yeah, I mean, it's great news to hear um, because um, especially for a lot of the Chinese restaurants uh, or hotels doing banqueting um, that already have the, uh, you know, the, the D-type um, uh, certification, um, they're allowed to, you know, pick up parties of larger uh, people. And I mean, business has been hurting over the last few years, and this would really help to uh, give a boost, especially uh, in the last quarter of the year. Do you see this as being, uh, you know, do we have a big pent-up demand for wedding banquets, or what, what sector will this really benefit? Um, definitely wedding banquets, but also a lot of uh, company annual dinners uh, usually happen around this time, or, uh, you know, different associations of, of uh, uh, you know, of, of different sorts. Um, also, you know, for every, from, basically from uh, October all the way to uh, basically Chinese New Year, uh, there's all these different types of uh, banquets taking place that, you know, are usually over 100 people or 200, 300 people. So hopefully um, if the, um, the pandemic situation is you know, properly contained, uh, we'll see more relaxed measures coming up even sooner. And the restaurant trade, uh, generally speaking, has been making something of a comeback in recent weeks. I guess it has. Um, I think just looking over at the Mid-Autumn Festival, um, you see a lot of the businesses, um, you know, comparing to a year ago, um, uh, maybe have doubled some of their business, or even if not doubled, um, at least have had maybe 40 to 50 percent increase from the year previous. Um, and I think looking forward, people are very positive to see, um, you know, more people coming out, um, especially with uh, the new, uh, you know, on October 1st, we'll have another um uh, you know, some money from the government <laughs> to 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 uh, induce more spending in the economy as well. Yes, that's, of course, you're you're referring to the uh, the second phase of the consumption vouchers, uh, which we yes. were talking about uh, yesterday on the program. Uh, actually, yeah, yeah. Um, um, also, the, uh, the the government's acknowledged that uh, restaurants have already taken stringent anti-epidemic measures. Um, you must be uh, quite pleased about that. Uh, and so, do do you think that uh, the, the the trade now is is pretty much on top of all these things that need to be done. Yeah, I think in the industry itself, um, I'm, I think a lot of the restaurants, uh, everyone is very serious about their business. So uh, they are also, you know, majority, uh, the large majority, are also following the uh, government restrictions uh, very stringently as well, right? 
So, um, like for example, like the the T type, making sure that all staff are properly vaccinated,、um, and people are making sure that this is happening, letting their customers know, and providing a safer environment for the customers,、uh, you know, to come and enjoy their food. Obviously, we don't have any、uh, tourists from the mainland at the moment.、Um, what what difference has that made、uh, to the restaurant business?、Um, well, it has made quite a difference.、Um, Mainland、uh, tourism or overseas tourism as well, because uh, um, a lot of the restaurants previously had、uh, a large portion of their business be,、um, uh, be a portion from from the tourism、uh, sector as well. And right now,、um, especially with the banqueting sector, you see a lot of the large groups coming in from you know all over the place, especially mainland China,、uh, which uh, right now is not.、Uh, um, Able to come over and you know provide that type of F and B service to them, but and also the residual effect is、uh, the retail sector is not able to benefit from the tourism as well, right? Sure. Yeah, I think everybody's looking forward to the days when、uh, the borders can reopen.、Um, that was、uh, what we were talking about、um, before the break. Uh, uh, Yang Lin,、um, you still with us? Yeah.、Uh, thanks.、Um, yeah. Could I ask you what about that point that Henry made?、Uh, well, Henry says that、um, coronavirus controls in the mainland are much more effective and tighter than they are in Hong Kong. I'm not quite sure what he means exactly, but、um, you've been to the mainland、um, uh, fairly recently, I believe.、Um, um, how would you compare、um, the procedures there with what we have here? I, I think、uh, I, I agree with Henry about that point.、Uh, the control measures in mainland is uh, uh, much tighter and more stringent compared to Hong Kong.、Uh, especially,、uh, they often adopt this、uh, mass testing、uh, approaches, like testing millions of people within a couple of days, which actually cannot be imagined here. You know, so、um, and also.、Uh, We have done very effective contact tracing because everyone is relied on the cell phone and also、uh, online shopping.、Thing. So、uh, they can trace people very effectively in a very fast way.、Mm. So that's the difference. Yeah,、um, yeah. I mean, we have the Leave Home Safe、uh, app here. Uh, which is not—I mean, it's not a contact contact uh, tracing uh, device. Um, I mean, do you think it might be a good idea if we did have、uh, more like something that、um, uh, is in use in the mainland? Well,、uh, from the public health perspective, it, it could be more idea to use some kind of more centralized、uh, surveillance contact tracing system. But I think、uh, people are. Has a lot of concern about the privacy and the data security. So I, I think it, it's still under debate、uh, which you know which approach is better、uh, in terms of、uh, contact tracing, especially at the population level.、Um, um, John App,、uh, you were saying that the, the system in, in Macau is more like、uh, what is in, in existence in the mainland. Yes, that's correct.、Mm-hmm. So, you know, one of the, you know, the concerns that was、um, you know, just raised, you know, by our previous speaker,、uh, was the issue of privacy. But then, you know, the situation in Macau is that, you know, when you sign up for your、uh, health code, you've got to provide all your details 
uh, ID information, address, phone number, and uh, this obviously enables you know, contact uh, contact tracing, etc. Mm. Um, so I think this is one of the, the challenges and the barriers uh, for the opening up of Hong Kong to the mainland in Macau. Um, you know, given the concerns that the Hong Kong public have uh, about issues concerning privacy, but yeah. here in Macau, uh, the, the population is a, a lot more accepting and compliant with um, you know, the government requirements, regulations, and mandates. And uh, I suppose that that's where there is a difference between the two SARs. Mm-hmm. Okay. Well, I, I think uh, at this point we have to say uh, goodbye to uh, Yang Lin. Um, because uh, I know you have to leave at uh, 9.15. Yang Lin, thank you very much for joining us uh, on the programme this morning. Um, Associate Professor at the School of Nursing at the uh, Polytechnic University. Um, Okay, Um, 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 uh, Howie Wong, um, Howie, you still with us? Uh, Yeah, I'm here. So so we mentioned that... um, Okay, is a new round of consumption vouchers going to be uh, given out uh, on Friday. Um, So so, uh, how are... prospects for the uh, restaurant business uh, going forward? Um, I mean, it, it's very good. Um, a lot of the uh, restaurants are already doing a lot of promotions to, uh, I guess, pull more customers uh, over to get, you know, the, uh, the the beginning of the vouchers, the beginning spending part, because that's the most important. Um, um, you know, with the extra money, you know, one meal, uh, you could basically, um, you know, spend a a large portion of your consumption vouchers and a lot of the uh, restaurants are putting a lot of good deals to um, attract customers to you know spend more uh, at their own restaurants. Howie as these supply chain problems back up and start to bite going forwards to Christmas how do you see inflation in the cost of food and supplies for your industry hitting the cost of F&B to the customers? Um, Well uh, definitely uh, supply chain is hit very hard um, because a lot of the Food is definitely imported. Um, most of it is, you know, by well, all of by it. Feed. Let's be honest. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. Um, so, I mean, we we've seen, you know, I guess uh, we've seen all in the news um, all the um, uh, backups, you know, at the ports and so forth, um, increasing costs of logistics and um, of raw materials um, for the supply chain. I mean, it's very difficult for uh, most suppliers to increase their pricing uh, to the restaurants to the clients. But uh, there has been some adjustments, and um, you know, hopefully uh, we can all absorb that together, um, and it will be a minimal effect to the end customer. Um, that's what we're hoping for as well. Uh, I think with you know the more positive attitude towards the year-end spending, um, I don't think the maybe the slight increase will be um, a big factor into you know where people will eat. I think right now people just want to get out and enjoy themselves uh, in the public, uh, you know. Okay, well, coming back to brass tacks, I'm hearing from my friends in shipping that if you want anything delivered by Christmas, you should order it now. How do you see that impacting uh, your industry, particularly if you're now going to have these big events these with, with big numbers of packs? How are you going to deal with the fact that you can't order food ahead or you can't be sure of supply? Yeah, it's, it's very difficult, uh, especially for, um, for example, meat suppliers or wine suppliers, because... Uh, we're already starting to place orders for definitely three or four months ahead of time, which is, um, you know, it, it, it's a strain on our storage, on our cash flow as well. And uh, we see that, you know, that there are already some shortages happening within the industry. In what and sectors? What sectors is it coming through already? 
Um, especially, for example, like wine or meat, uh, you know, stuff that comes from uh, further away overseas from, you know, from, for example, um, South America or, you know, from Europe and so forth. We see a lot of uh, delays in the logistics, right? So, um, you know, in, in this in, in this aspect, um, all of the suppliers have to, you know, uh, hold extra stock. And it doesn't mean that, you know, we're going to be selling it all. Uh, it just means that we want to make sure that there is an assured supply for the industry if and or when uh, the boom comes for, for um, you know, for the boost in the F&B industry. Uh, but, you know, you, you never know because, um, you know, if, if, if it's the case where the pandemic does somehow worsen, then all the strain, again, is, uh, you know, put onto the supply chain. Okay, well, thanks very much for uh, joining us on the program this morning. Uh, that was uh, Howie Wong, who you heard there, who's the Vice Chairman of the Hong Kong Federation of Restaurants and Related Trades. Um, thanks also very much to John App, a visiting professor and director of the Global Centre for Tourism, Education and Training at the Macau Institute for Tourism Studies. Um, and thanks also, um, we heard uh, earlier from um, Yang Lin, Associate Professor at the School of Nursing at the Polytechnic University. And... Um, for the last um, 10 minutes or so of the programme this morning, we're going to be turning our attention to another issue, and that is the uh, WWF um, has uh, released a report, says that Hong Kong's first comprehensive analysis of the South Lantau watershed, uh, which reveals that uh, a number of uh, habitats uh, are not under proper protection and some are in a, a fairly sort of hazardous position with the threat of the loss of habitat and biodiversity. And uh, we're joined uh, on the line by Andrew Chan, who's a senior conservation officer for policy with uh, WWF uh, Hong Kong. Uh, good morning to you. Hey, good morning. Um, so tell us more. Um, I, I believe you, you singled out uh, Poyo as one particular area where habitat loss uh, is quite serious. Yeah, because as our, in our um, analysis, we uh, found that uh, uh, quite a number of uh, eco-vandalism cases happened in um, Puyo, especially the lowland area where uh, part of them are sounded as uh, coastal protection areas. So um, in, in, that, in that case, in our analysis, we uh, map out those uh, um, areas that have the risk for habitat loss to those undesirable development, like the including the um, landfilling and also the dumping of construction waste, which based on our um, um, previous um, um, analysis on the previous cases, we found that Puyo has the uh, um, quite a serious uh, risk of uh, such habitat loss. And these are the buffalo fields you're talking about, yes, where the yeah, uh, water yeah, buffalo is yeah. yeah, that's included buffalo field in, uh, along the uh, coast of uh, Puyo, which are also the wetlands that uh, some of some of part of these wetlands have already been uh, uh, dumped with uh, construction waste. Now, the, the problem here, Andrew, is a long-standing one. Um, there's even been <clears throat> a judicial review which failed to try and get this area enforced, the protections enforced. Um, if you look at the actual map of this area, these bits of land are divided up into tiny pockets of allegedly privately owned land. So any mm -hmm. local person can come along and dump 
uh, everything. We've found um, mobile phones and battery waste and builders' waste dumped on tiny little pockets. Fences pop up and appear all over the place. Legally, there seems to be very little that can be done about this. Um, Mrs. Lam, in one of her recent policy addresses, actually mentioned increased protection for the Poyo wetland, and nothing has happened. Have you ever asked her to follow up on that? Yeah, we have uh, keep on uh, asking the uh, not only uh, Mrs. Lam but also um, the Sustainable Land Town Office that the government has to step up their actions to review the uh, to uh, fix the uh, existing loopholes in the uh, town planning ordinance and also the waste disposal ordinance, so that um, the um, uh, to uh, to deter further uh, habitat loss due to those uh, undesirable development like landfilling and construction waste. What other areas of South Lantau are under particular threat? Um, except Puyo, ex uh, Puy uh, many of those are uh, actually based, basically the, um, the uh, privately owned uh, Greenbelt and also the co um, coastal protection areas which are outside the country parks. Um, are, are, are at risk, according to our analysis. Yeah, because they were never properly gazetted, were they? Um, there was a, a bit of legislation that was missed, I understand, in the late 80s, so this coastal protection zone is not properly gazetted. And so this right. keeps being an area where this kind of environmental damage keeps happening, but there seem to be no enforceable consequences. Right, that's right. This is a historical problem um, because back into the I think 80s, 1980s, um, there is a, uh, the, uh, there is a dispute on the um, land use of, of, I mean, the uses of the agricultural land uh, in agricultural private lots in the uh, in the new territories, which uh, led to led to uh, uh, introductions of uh, extension of the uh, town planning ordinance into the rural areas in the 1990s. But, but the problem is that uh, in the South Lantau area, the land use plan have already been uh, 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 published earlier in the 1980s. That means the land use control extension to the, um, in, in the 1990s does not, uh, does not apply in the Puyo area, which leads to the uh, uh, lack of, uh, I mean, the government cannot uh, enforced against those undesirable development in the area. So um, in terms of biodiversity, uh, what, uh, what species are under threat? Um, actually, the uh, species that, uh, especially those species that is depend on the wetlands are under threat, like the um, locally, I mean the, that, I mean the uh, Roman tree frog, which is uh, um, that which can only be found in Hong Kong yeah. are, un, are under threat, and also there are some uh, rare wetland plants in the uh, freshwater marsh, and also uh, like the uh, uh, Chinese horseshoe crab, which can also be affected if the uh, coastal areas uh, are developed. Mm. Uh, they can usually be found around uh, Shui Hao, correct? Yeah, yeah. Mm. yeah, yeah. Uh, okay, so so you're recommending uh, a, a number of steps. Um, hmm. So you want to see an amendment to the town planning ordinance and the waste disposal ordinance to protect uh, habitats outside the uh, Lantau South Country Park. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and, but it's also about enforcement, isn't it? Yes, it is also about enforcement, but uh, before the enforcement, the, uh, uh, the loopholes, especially, uh, I mean the town planning ordinance must be uh, amended so that uh, the planning department can enforce uh, against those uh, unauthorized development within the area. Without such uh, amendment, then the government can do nothing on those developments, yeah, those un- unauthorized developments. Well, it ends up coming down to slightly odd sideways ways to get at this in that many times the access to these sensitive bits of land is across government land. So in the past, there's been success in getting lands department to act against access across their land to get to the private land. So mm-hmm. there's, there are other ways to go about this, aren't they, rather than the obvious direct route? Mm-hmm. Um, I, I see also an, another of your recommendations says uh, it should be mandatory uh, to obtain prior approval for tree, tree removal and site formation mm-hmm. works on private lands in country parks. Mm-hmm. A lot of listeners may be surprised that uh, it's not already mandatory. Is that, is, is that some kind yeah, of loophole? Yeah, yeah. yeah, yeah, this is a, a loophole that's uh, not uh, quite uh, mentioned in the, uh, I mean, in, in, in Hong Kong because. Uh, from a case that um, happened in Chimawan Road, which is uh, inside the Landhouse South Country Park, but also privately owned, there are three remove, removal work and also site formation work happened in last year, I, I think. But uh, the problem is that, although um, uh, I mean the uh, tree removal work and also the site formation work and, uh, does not need to. Uh, get any approval from the uh, relevant uh, the government departments that uh, before doing so. If these, uh, if 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 no approval, of, if no such approval was uh, granted, we worry that um, the those private lands in the country park will be uh, 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 will be affected by this uh, work and also uh, bring um, some. Um, ecological impact to the lower level of the uh, 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 South Town Coast because if the uh, vegetation in the uh, upper uh, watershed was removed, we worry that those soil will be exposed and <clears throat> and then um, uh, flow into the streams and direct to directly to the uh, uh, near shore waters, which can affect the ecology there. The trouble with the trees is we only tend to find out about it when they've gone. Yeah. Uh, okay. And, and I see that um, uh, you, you have this uh, principle of uh, uh, what you call ridge to rocky reef uh, mm-hmm. conservation. Yeah. Uh, uh, just explain what that means. Oh, it uh, emphasized the uh, connectivity of the habitats within the watershed from the uh, upper part. Uh, to the uh, coastal area, and then to uh, the near shore, uh, um, near shore waters, which emphasize the uh, if uh, which emphasize the, uh, uh, the the importance of uh, preserving the uh, integrity of those habitat within the uh, watersheds to uh, ensure the. Um, ecological connectivity if well uh, preserved. So what can members of the public do about this? 
Mm. The public, uh, when it, uh, we understand that in the Southland Town area, it is also a, fa- uh, a favorite uh, area for um, um, public to enjoy the uh, uh, scenic view. Uh, we, we 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 think that the uh, public, when enjoying the the uh, the scenic view there and do the recreational activity there, they should also uh, take care take care of the uh, precious uh, natural environment and also the habitats and species uh, in in the uh, Southland Town area. Okay, well, uh, thanks very much for speaking to us uh, on the programme this morning. Uh, that was uh, Andrew Chan, who's a Senior Conservation Officer for Policy with uh, WWF uh, Hong Kong. Um, and uh, just before we uh, end the programme uh, this morning, um, another message from TC on our Facebook uh, about uh, our uh, earlier topic about uh, COVID controls and, um, and uh, opening the border with the mainland. So TC says, uh, not that I'm against it, but the current uh, Hong Kong mainland border restrictions, regardless of who decided it, is uh, breeding a form of localism and that Hong Kong has to survive uh, without much interaction on both sides. Uh, Most importantly, mutually assured destruction was a buzzword in 2019 in Hong Kong. Ironically, right now, it's the government who is setting current policies, who is causing mutually assured destruction with its so-called zero COVID policy. Okay, that's from TC. Um, Thank you to our listeners, and thank you very much to our guests this morning, and thank you to you, Anna. And um, let's have a quick look at the weather. It's going to be uh, mainly fine, very hot during the day. Top temperature about 33 degrees. That's in the urban areas, a couple of degrees higher in the new territories. Isolated showers later, light winds. The outlook, very hot with isolated showers tomorrow. Sunny periods during the national day and weekend. But there will also be further isolated showers. It's 29 degrees now, humidity 77%. And the very hot weather warnings.